1: What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast. It is our Sunday SEC baseball conversation with Colin Brister that has uh, more uh, gotten away from uh, what happened on the field over the weekend and more toward big picture questions. But nevertheless, Ole Miss was officially eliminated from NCAA, or excuse me, SEC tournament con- contention this weekend basically marking the end of their season. They will play three meaningless games in Tuscaloosa, Alabama next weekend. Really for the first time in the Mike Bianco era, Ole Miss will have a weekend of meaningless baseball. Talked about what all of that means, kind of the anatomy of how all of this happened, and uh, some of the tough decisions that are to come this offseason, what they are, and how the Rebels are able to rebound from it to ensure this year remains an outlier. So, buckle up. Think you enjoy the conversation. Before we get to that, though, wanted to remind you, podcast brought to you by skybox sports picks who is skybox sports picks well glad you asked They're the world's best gaming handicapping website the inventors of the skybox matrix interval an advanced modeling mechanism that has propelled skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry football season's around the corner build up your bankroll before then by signing up for skybox nascar skybox nascar mark harris is crushing it right now. If you want to bet on obscure sport and print money every week, I'd suggest you do that. And then go online and sign up for a picks package. They have any picks package that will fit your price range. You can try it for a day, a week, a month. I'd recommend signing up for the year-long all-sports access. You'll thank me later. They're the only way to profit in the long run. You're not going to profit off your own brain and your own leads you know, 10 minutes before kickoff. Sign up for Skybox Sports Picks today. Time, type in the promo code Rippy R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off. They'll send you the picks in a color-coded spreadsheet with uh, based off of units, how confident they are in it. And boom, you are more equipped to profit than you were five minutes before signing up for Skybox. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Right subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats right now. It's a 16 ounce or six, three ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. It's about a $40 valuation. You're getting there for 20 bucks. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. You'll get you, he'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. It's prime grilling season. LB's is a crown jewel of Oxford. Make your grilling experience great by going to LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is Colin Brister on a disastrous season, finally getting closer to its uh, merciful end. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent Colin Brister. And this is basically an act of protest at this point. Like I feel I like they're testing our fortitude. It's almost like sticking it to the man that we continue to do it every week, but if, they can't stop
2: us. How are you? If I had told you in February, you have to pick one of these records is gonna be correct. You have to pick the correct one. Ole Miss is 21 and 6 after 27 games or 6 and 21 after 27. Which one are you picking?
1: Oh. It's, 21 and, I, yeah, I it's tw- 21 and 6. yeah, I think it's <laughs> 21 and 6. Now, dude, I just 21 and 6 is so damn hard to get to. It it,
2: it is, but if you had told me a Mike the team was going six and twenty-one, I'd be like, okay, you're doing drugs.
1: Yeah, good that's drugs. also Very fair. Good I don't know. It just took me a minute to fully process both sides of it because. I don't know. The latter's the true one, so I guess that was maybe what <laughs> what screwed me up. <laughs> like, and dude, this league is so good. Like, twenty one and six would be all time stuff, but also in weird ways, six and twenty one is all time stuff. It's okay. it's
2: really just unbelievable. So, um, I, I know we're we're here to talk about Ole Miss. I have a hot take though that I just I got to spit out. Okay? Sure. Um, the LSU Tigers are not going to Omaha.
1: Well, I think the book is out on them now to some degree. They're not very good without schemes or outside of schemes, I should say. Not without,
2: he's not injured. They're horrific on the mound, like horrifically bad. They're as bad as Mississippi State and Old Miss on the mound when Ty Floyd or Paul Skeens isn't pitching.
1: Yep. And they've had some injuries as well and some guys kind of be in and out of the lineup, but I didn't figure it'd be this bad, particularly, uh, I don't know. With the NIL numbers that were floated out about them, I I would hope their manager throws three with a nice breaking ball. How can Christian Little not get an out? That doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't understand it.
2: Um, But I I, I watched the end of their game today, and I'm like, all of these guys stink right now. Um, So I don't know how they're getting through a Super Regional um, with no semblance of a bullpen. I mean, I know how they're winning one game, but – Man, they are they are terrible um, outside of those two guys on the mound. Um, but yeah, no tough weekend for the rebels. I went to my first SEC game this week. Um, I guess I am a psychopath.
1: Yeah, this week of all weeks, what was that experience
2: like? So, uh, well, I left in the fifth inning because I was miserable. I was frankly miserable the entire time. I got talked into going. Um, they're like you, you, you're, kind of, they're like you're a fair weather fan if you're going to the College World Series in Omaha, but you're. You're not going to the, uh, you know, to an SEC game this year. And it's like, well, in complete fairness, the the schedule has kind of screwed me, right? Because they play the double header on Friday against Florida, Auburn, and Arkansas, and I couldn't go to any of those because obviously we play baseball on Friday, and then we have the one game on Saturday. Well, I'm not, I don't particularly want to go to a game where Ole Miss is trying to fend off a sweep. So really, the only series I could have made something happen. Uh, was the Saturday game against Georgia? I could I could have made that one happen, but other than that, I I really didn't have much opportunity. Um, so I was like, I guess I'll go to an SEC game. And after um, they hit the grand slam that went about four hundred and eighty five feet, um, and I'm being conservative there, I was like, you know what? It's time to it's time to go to the square. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something else with my life.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not actually sure I buy the uh, comparison of a, if you go to Omaha, that means you you need to go when they're six and. <laughs> Twenty uh, on their on the fast track to being six and twenty one. I didn't think about the Friday double headers. They've had a lot of. They've had three of those this yeah. year. Yeah. Sort of bizarre. This one was. Uh, this one was yeah another Friday double header. Then finished it on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I, I they've had three of those this year. That's rather unusual. I'm not sure I can remember a year where they had that.
2: No, it's a, usually a rare thing because obviously the the games on Thursday you know get rained out or whatever, and you played the two on Friday. It's just kind of rare. Um, so yeah, no, it's a really, really kind of bizarre situation. I'm trying to sit here and think of their home series. What what am I missing? Uh, Florida, Missouri, Ar- Arkansas was the one I was, no, Florida, Missouri, Arkansas, Georgia. Yeah, Austin. Mizzou is in yeah, coma. Oh, uh, that's right. Well, Florida, I'm trying to figure out Arkansas. I'm trying to figure out their home record.
1: Uh, their home record is, is real bad. Um, <laughs> hold yeah, on. Yeah. So I'll throw this one out. I had one. I had this written down to get to later. But the last two seasons at Swayze Field and SEC play, they're eight and twenty-two. that bad. It's not uh, not great. Um, they are seventeen and fifteen overall at home. That's also uh, I would say not great. Um, I'll just go through it in live action right now because I'm sure everyone wants another dosage of this. So, and three after Florida, one and five after Arkansas. Let's see, you got a road series after that, one and eight after LSU. LSU was the one I was missing. Okay. Yeah, that's the one you were missing. Hey, three and nine after Georgia,
2: (laughs) three and 12. Oh, my my God. That's,
1: uh, that's, Obviously, I watched these games. I, well, I say I watched all of them. I didn't watch every single one of them. Uh, particularly, then like towards the end, it made it harder. I kept up with all of these. That somehow sounds worse after the fact, and I don't even know if that makes any
2: sense. Three and twelve. So bad. So so bad. And and look, obviously, I'm very thankful it almost won the national title last year because God, if, we, if they didn't, we're having a completely different conversation. Um, man, wow, um, tough year. And and what I hope is that this year was so bad that that it makes them realize okay, okay we we can't we can't roll this group back out there because you know somebody asked me the other day it's like hey what if they what if they finish winning you know six out of nine and they don't make like the regional and and but they go to the SEC tournament make a little noise and they you see they're getting better. I'm like, oh that's not good because they need to completely redo this roster um bigly so they 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 are they have been given no reason to think that uh, this roster can succeed. You know, obviously there's pieces, but there's no reason to believe that if you take this roster into 2024, it's going to get better because it's not.
1: You bring up a very interesting point about it being so bad. Hopefully, I don't think you use the word like wake up call or, or kind of uh, no inflection point. But I'll, I, I mean, that's kind of where I was going to. At, beyond the fact that I, I think they probably knew, hey, this this roster is going to have some massive turnover. We can't bring this back next year, but I was going to take it. I don't even know if you would call this a step further, but to play that thought out further, we've talked about the last couple of podcasts, kind of the changing landscape of really college recruiting in general because NIL, the transfer portal, all of those things that you probably talk, heard people talk about ad nauseum for the last year, year and a half, two years. But do you think, this was so bad that it will serve as even more of kind of a kick in the ass to kind of reevaluate the way you build a roster. Cause they were going to have to do that anyway, but let's just say they finished. Oh, I don't know. 12 and 18 and finished yeah. the year okay. And you were a couple, you can kind of be the, okay, we were, you can kind of do the whole, we were a couple injuries away thing. Do you think in a weird way, that it being so bad might end up being a long-term blessing in some ways because yeah. it will really put the feet to the fire to reevaluate how you build a roster on a year-in, year-out basis.
2: Right, because if this team is, what, 11-19, and 19, you look at it and say, like, hey, well, you know, with Hunter Elliott and Josh Mallitz, maybe this is a 15-15 and 15 year. Not what we wanted, but but good enough. But here's the reality. Exactly. Uh, here's my reality is if you add Hunter Elliott and Josh Mallitz on this team, are, you, are we absolutely sure they're making a regional? Cause I'm not, I'm not, I'm not absolutely sure that these guys make a seven game difference. I just, I don't know if I buy that.
1: I don't know if I do either. Now I'm trying not to play. I'm trying not to be a prisoner of the moment and think back, look, man, if you got Hunter Elliott on Friday nights on the sure. mound, you probably don't start. zero and six. No, and you, you don't. And if you got, you probably, you end up having Josh
2: Mallett as the Saturday guy. Do you think that's fair? Uh, he probably at some point enters the rotation. I think that's certainly fair.
1: You're going to have a much better shot than you had in one of those two other games that he does start. So, I, you you're, the point is still very valid, though. I can't say, oh yeah, a hundred percent certainty that team makes the regional makes a regional with those two guys. But I also just kind of want to do, I guess, hammer home the fact that yes, it has been so bad, but part of that is the loss is building up because they just had no one to stop the bleeding. There was no stopper like Hunter Elliott was last year. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. That, 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 that they had on the mound that gave them the Doug Nicasey, Hunter Elliott, doing a yep. Lucia type confidence that you
2: saw over the last couple of years. That's a really good point because there, there wasn't the guy because um in 2019 when Doug Nicesey pitched, the old Miss Rebels won the baseball game. You know, um statistically, I and I could be wrong on this, but I believe I'm right. Statistically, I believe Gunner had a better 2019 year before he got hurt. But everybody knew when, yes. when the chip – when the game was on the line and you had to win, you wanted Doug McKenzie on the mound because he just instilled so much confidence on um, with that team. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's certainly fair. You didn't have – that's a really good point. You didn't have the guy that just took the ball and said, hey, good, get on my back. We're fist to win. We're going to end this nonsense. Um, I will say, what was discouraging over the, the weekend um, – you know, a lot of people are doing the effort thing, and I don't necessarily know if it's an effort thing. Maybe it is. I don't I don't know. See but more of a mental checkout. Sure, but here's my question. Like, we've known all year that the pitching is terrible. They just couldn't get out. Now, I yeah. fit, that's a completely different story. Um, I, I think what is the most discouraging part of this weekend is you thought maybe two, three weeks ago the pitching is getting better. It's not. They're not good enough. That they, that they, they don't have good enough players. The the pitching is not getting better. Um, it's just not. It's frankly some guys are getting worse. So I I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but I know they cannot take that pitching staff into 2024 and be successful.
0: Well,
1: and so what does that actually mean? Let's kind of go through it for a second because
2: like obviously
1: Mitch Morell is gone.
2: Is he? He didn't get through senior day. Does he have there were only league? two. There were only two guys that went through senior day: Garrett Wood and Anthony Clarko. Everybody Uh-oh. else has eligibility. I
1: would so I, boots on the ground there. Congrats to you, Morell's a senior, but he's still one of the few that has a COVID year left. He's a senior with an asterisk. Okay. I missed that throughout the year, and if he didn't go through senior day, well,
2: hmm. Yeah, um,
1: so, but outside of that. It's not that I I think some of the discouraging piece of it is it's not just a bunch of older dudes on this pitching staff who weren't good enough. Um yeah. if JT Quinn, freshman, Matt Parento, I guess he is a senior with the he's coach didn't really contribute a ton though.
2: Well um, he, he he's he's been out since Yeah, for uh, a while, for like, a while. Yeah. yeah I don't um, know if he's back or not.
1: Mason Morris, freshman. There's a couple more yeah. freshmen. The P- Patrick Gailey, I don't think he even really pitched this year. Cole Ketchum, freshman. Cole Tolbert, sophomore. Mason Nichols, sophomore. Braden Jones, freshman. DeCoyan, freshman. It's a lot of younger guys. And I think that's probably where the bulk of the difficult decisions probably lie is how many of these guys yeah. can actually afford to bring back?
2: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, well, you know, some of these guys we believe can be good, but here's the reality. They can't be good down the road. They have to be good. If they are on the oldest pitching staff, they have to be good in 2024. Um, because I don't look, I don't know what the rotation is next year. You don't know what you're losing. Um, you know, obviously, I don't believe the expectation is that Hunter Elliott will start the year. Um, I could, you, you could tell me I'm wrong there. I don't know for a fact on that. Um, but they've got to have dudes on this roster that that can go get out. How many times, because I I can answer the question at zero, how many times this year has somebody taken the baseball and just went and won a game by themselves? In 53 games, it has not happened. Nobody has just put the team on their back and gone and won a baseball game. The closest is Doherty against Maryland the second time.
1: Yeah, that Uh, was what I was going to go to. Rivas had some nice outings, but it was never like they only won this game because of him. Yeah, no, no, no.
2: There was never the the Gunner outing against Auburn, or and I'm not saying that there's not a Gunner on the staff for the Doug outing against Mississippi State in that same year. I, I understand that there's no those guys aren't on the staff, but you would think over the course of the season that at least once um, somebody would just take the ball and go kick somebody in the teeth, and that has not happened.
1: No, it is not. And the other side of it too is, you think like I feel like in years past to some degree, when a team has a young pitching staff, you can kind of anticipate maybe a slight jump the next year. It's like, all right, this makes sense. It's a whole bunch of freshmen. You can kind of – I don't know if gamble is the right term, but you can kind of find hope in, okay, they make that sophomore jump after their first year in the Southeastern Conference. Well, the whole thing with the transfer portal thing is is it – you know there's only a limited number of roster spots, and so you have to be more proactive – in evaluating your roster and what you do have. And I I mean it's kind of an ugly term, but like processing guys out to make roster spots for guys that you are fully confident in can help you, or at least as close as you can be to helping you next year and are a little bit more sure bets, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. No, it's I am it is it's a it good yeah. That's that's I'm fascinated how it works because now you've got to Look, I mean, we, we could go through the roster and say, do we expect guys to be back or not? I think, you know, maybe doing that from an MLB draft perspective would be smart. Uh, but I looked out there yesterday. I wouldn't do this. I looked out there yesterday and Grace and Sonia was pitching. Okay. We'll exclude him. Cal Harris was catching. I don't think anybody expects him to be back next year. Is that fair?
1: The three I would say that the safest bet is they get drafted high enough to why would you come back is Alderman, Harris, and
2: Gonzalez. Gonzalez, yes. I don't expect Chatagnier back. I think he gets drafted and goes. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't I don't know. That one's going to be an interesting one. Um, who is in left? Kramer is a guy that I think comes back next year and actually has a good year. I, I, I like him a lot. Um is the wild card, right? Um, because I, I could totally see a team taking Leger in the ninth or tenth or hell, even the 17th round and giving him $125,000 because he's athletic and um can play multiple spots. Um, he's the interesting one for me. And then, man, going down that bench, I I don't know what you do. I, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of depth pieces. Obviously, Furnace and Udermark, um, they believe in. But I, outside of that, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of depth pieces that they believe in on that bench. It's why you.
1: It's part. It's got to be at least to some degree, partially why you didn't see a lot of lineup changes late in the year or not even just late in the year when things weren't going well, I I think, I mean, we talked about that as it was happening as you know, we'd bring it up. Hey, are you surprised there hasn't been a little bit more, um, you know, change up or turnover within within the lineup card each day. And I I think that's gotta be at least part of the reason why is they didn't believe they had
2: those depth pieces. Um, I I will mention, I think they like Bo Gatlin. Yeah. He had a good weekend actually. Um, Bo Gatlin had a good weekend, but, but outside of that, it's uh some pretty slim pickings over there on the bench. So I'm interested to see kind of what they do from a numbers perspective. And um, the elephant is the room is, is what, where are they from an nil perspective? Because if they're not ready to compete. Um, then they're going to get left farther and farther behind. Now, do I think they are? I, I do, but um, they've got to kill the transfer portal. I, I don't, I don't think it would be smart to, to rely on, you know, guys coming in to, to fill voids. I know they've got Cooper Pratt and the, and the, in the high school class um highly rated prospect uh Smithwick from Oxford who is an absolute stud. Um he's he's a catcher. I'm not sure if the plan is for him to catch next year, but he's also another prospect. Um so they they've got to go out and get dudes that can play effective immediately. Um or they're going to not be very good again next year.
1: If Shaney ends up let's I'm this is a complete hypothetical. I have no intel on this by any stretch, just an interesting thought exercise. If he wants to come back, is that a tough decision, guy? Where it's like, what well, do you do? You do you bring him back, or do you kind of do the whole um, find you another yeah, place?
2: no, I th- I think you would bring him back. Um, I'd probably I probably lean th- that way as well. Yeah, I, I'm pretty pretty confident that, that everybody there likes Shotenye. And um, look, it here's here's the thing about Shotenye that he's he's a great teammate. He has yeah, he's had his struggles at time this year, but there is a reason they left him in the lineup. Um, they they certainly believe in the kid. And I think that he has enough of a track record to to warrant that belief. Um so yeah, I think if 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 he wanted to come back more more most certainly he would be afforded that opportunity.
1: Then you, what about TJ McCann's?
2: Uh, that one I you know, I expect TJ to be I, I know he's had a tough year, but I expect I look, I don't have any insight on TJ at all um, to make that clear, but He's an extremely athletic kid with some power that, that's had a tough two years. Um uh, dealt with some personal stuff that have been well documented. Um, you know, I, I think somebody somebody makes TJ a decent offer and he probably goes. Again, I don't have any insight on that. I don't know what you do if 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 he wants to come back. Um, because you know, obviously he's not played a whole lot over the last two, three weeks. So um I'm not even sure, you know, that, that that's what he would want to do. So That'll be interesting to follow. You know, I don't know the validity of them, but there were rumors up until, you know, Ole Miss went on that magical run last year that he was going to transfer last year. Right. Um I don't so I, I, I don't I don't know what that would look like for him. I think TJ goes pro, but I can't say that for certain.
1: I once again lean toward the same thing. I think my just a gut feeling would yeah, tell me that that's ultimately what ends up happening i think some of that is kind of the rumblings last year like you said before they went on that run as well so i would lean that he's probably not back uh they had some transfer news over the weekend banks Tolly allegedly has another year of eligibility um he announced his intention to go to the transfer portal. I assume I, I don't think you'd make a transfer portal graphic if you're just going out into life in the world. Um <laughs> but I guess he's one of those guys that got caught up in the COVID. It's like I'm transferring to uh corporate America. Um I don't think he has another uh, excuse me. I I didn't know he I didn't does. know. he has another year left. I guess he, he's rare he,
2: he was he was red shirted this year.
1: Yes, he was redshirted this year, I think, with in mind that he would probably end up transferring. But on March the 14th of the 2024 college baseball season, our guy will be 24 years old. There you go. State played
2: a 25-year-old last year.
1: Oh, that's right. And he wasn't even the oldest guy in D1 baseball. Wasn't there one more that was older than him? Oh, that's right. I think there was another older guy. Yeah, That's crazy. There's a lot of Stetson Bennett's rolling around here because of COVID. But uh, Have you seen this about Stetson Bennett? Yeah, he didn't get a degree.
2: how does that happen?
1: You can't rush <laughs> these things, man. It takes time. All he needs is another summer and maybe a semester or two more. If I'm his if
2: I'm his parents, I am so pissed off.
1: That that got out or the fact that it happened?
2: No, the fact that it happened. Well what have you been <laughs> doing,
1: brother? Okay, well, fair enough. You would hope. That that's the reaction but the kid you know from a he may not have gone to college and got a degree but he shook some hands let's say in the in the public relations secure your future make some connections my my guy was on tv a lot he has a couple of national titles he 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 earned some sort of uh a way of life that way if 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 nothing else but
2: yes I feel like they would have just given him a degree if he wanted one I,
1: I would think so um <laughs> yeah I mean, can you give him like an under to the table like one of those honorary <laughs> degrees that they give to people sometimes, and then you just kind of go, you know, shh, shh, no one has to know about this so, and that just becomes it. it's like sets and business of degrees. like does he
2: really well, kinda i don't I don't want to turn this political, but um, doesn't Ole Miss, one of Ole Miss's famous, most famous journalists not didn't graduate from the university?
1: Yeah, and you, know you went talking. through the journalism school. You see that sometimes where someone gets a job and they have a semester left. I knew a couple of people that happened to, and they're just like, "Eh, they're already offering me this job. Clearly, they don't care if I have the degree or not." Like, um, so yes, I do think that is the case, though I'm not sure who. Uh, Sh- Shep Smith. Oh, I don't know if he finished or not. That
2: actually wouldn't I'm, surprise me. I I think that's accurate. I could be wrong on that though. Um, okay. But yeah, I saw that this weekend uh, that that Stetson Bennett spent like eight years in college and didn't graduate. I guess he got to do it for free, so that does make it a little better. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's out of debt to not get a
1: degree. I guess that's that better than <laughs> that's. That is uh, that is totally fair. Stetson Bennett, do you know where he spent his first year of college football?
2: Uh, he actually went to Georgia first and then went to where I think you're thinking of. That's right. Uh, Sorry.
1: You had one year in Georgia. His first year in Georgia yeah, yeah. was 2017 and then he went to Jones Community <laughs> College in Ellisville. It, okay. It was Jones. I couldn't remember if it was Jones or Gulf Coast. No, he was at uh at Jones and then goes back and spends another half decade at Georgia. Um so <laughs> literally. He, yeah, like literally so. Uh good for Stetson but well, actually not good for Stetson Bennett. Um <laughs> Actually, it is kind of impressive. How do you find that many classes to take and you just not, you know, spin the roulette wheel and all of a sudden you find some sort of degree in there? So how how does that – Here's my
2: thing because if you remember Jordan Wilkins missed the 2016 season because of this. After your third year, you've got to be 75% of the way up to a degree. I guess you don't have to finish the other 25% at some point, but after three years, you've got to be 75% of the way. and and my man Stetson, after those three years, just neglected the other twenty-five percent, I see.
1: I guess I mean is it is this just is this proof of concept that being academically ineligible is just now not a thing? When's the last time you heard of a guy being academically ineligible? Didn't make grades?
2: 2016.
1: Okay. Well, Mr. Bennett came Jordan to college Wilkins. in 2017. So uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> that's that, that's, that's the last time I've heard of it. I mean, seriously, if, if you have that 75% toward a degree rule after three years in. Presumably, if you pass the rest of those classes, even if you're taking like nine hours, wouldn't that ultimately lead to a degree? I'm not a math guy nor a college administrator. In, in I would like to know the logistics on how this became possible. How do, you, how do you have this many semesters and actually not earn a degree? You would think at some point you do it by accident. Right. I mean, did the guy, was he academically motivated enough to where he maybe went through the engineering program and decided I'd rather do accounting and nothing transfers over. I doubt that was the case, but I did know some people that that happened to who ended up being in college for quite a while because nothing transferred over, but something tells me that Stetson did not switch majors and not that none of his credit transferred over. He had a lot of
2: other stuff going on like football. So, So speaking of graduation, were you in Oxford this weekend?
1: I was. My youngest brother a, graduated. and then, uh, that's right. Uh, MC what what a zoo.
2: Graduated. What an absolute zoo Zoo during graduation, graduation weekend.
1: So it always is from a crowd standpoint. I, I don't know if Old Miss deserves a pat on the back or a round of applause for this. But when I graduated, I've told this story on the podcast, I think, a couple times. They had uh, like a business school graduation in the morning. And then once ours was done, there was someone else, one another very large graduation coming in. In the afternoon, uh, they didn't think traffic guards or really any sort of traffic flow was necessary at all. So I backed my car, I would say, about six feet. That's right. My (laughs) parking spot in the Tadpad to where I'm about sideways, almost parallel to the spot. You know, halfway backed out and then did not move my car for another two and a half, a little over three hours, actually. Ended up having to somehow get it onto a curb just to have it park somewhere and then walk to Highway 6 and got picked up there. Because of the bad traffic. I had my brother's graduation at Patterson School of Accounting in the Pavilion on Saturday at 2. And we got in and out of that sucker in about 10 minutes. Like we did the graduation, took about five minutes to park and walk up, and then took about five minutes to get out. So 10 minutes round trip. So congrats on cleaning that up, old Miss.
2: That's pretty solid. I told you what they did for our graduation at, at uh, Farley Hall, didn't I? No, what happened there? They they uh they told poss- or uh, they told let's see, how many people do you think graduate a year from all from Miss journalism? Like, I don't know, three hundred, is that a fair number? That would be my guess, yeah. Okay. All right. They told three hundred of us uh, who probably two seventy were hung over and were in the sun at the Ford Center. They're like, Hey, uh y'all all get in alphabetical order. And they're like, buddy, what? You, you want us to do what? They're like, yeah, just get an alphabetical order. I'm like, I don't know any of these people. You're just gonna tell 300 of us to figure out how to get an about. A, like is this our That's last impossible. Is this our
1: like what is this? Some is kind this... of pledge exercise? What, what how would how would that even happen? That seems like impossible. is this is
2: this part of our final exam? Like what are we doing? And uh they're like, well, fine, we'll just give y'all numbers and now you can get in order. I'm like, this is even worse. So finally, they just got a megaphone and started calling our names. I have us lot up to walk in. I'm like, good God.
1: This I is- would probably protest. I'd probably be going up and down the line just saying, like, nobody do this. Nobody get an alphabetical <laughs> order. Just stand where you are. This is ridiculous. Please do not do this. That would probably cause further chaos.
2: Tom, Tom Brokaw spoke at mine, and I remember vividly just sitting. I got somehow t- sit in the back, and I had my phone, and I just sat there and watched the Ole Miss and Kentucky baseball game across the street wishing I was there the whole time. I watched that I on do- my phone during graduation. Was there and then
1: Brokaw came for maybe that was the Friday night game that he came to. And he actually, I was sitting outside because it was nice weather. And then it was, yeah, he was outside in kind of the left hand corner that is up next to the press box in the uh Rebel Club or D- Diamond Club, I guess is what yeah. it's called. And I didn't really reckon I mean, I knew who Tom Brokaw was, and I didn't, but I didn't really like recognize who he was or like what like that he was the commencement speaker. So I just picked. Why is everybody walking up to talk to this old guy? And then someone was like, that's time to on. I was like, okay, that makes a little more sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, graduation day is always, like, miserable for those, you know, who are, like, doing the graduating because there's no way you went to sleep before 3.30 a.m. Um, and now you got to wake up at 8 and go sit in the Grove and it's hot and some guy's talking. You're like, oh, my God, it's time to go. I need a biscuit.
1: Yeah, we uh we, we saw definitely signs of that. There were some students at the uh I can only speak for the graduation ceremony I attended, but uh this weekend a lot of kids looking worse for the wear. We were trying to wait on my brother outside afterward, and we overheard one kid say that he woke up at one. They were required to be there by one fifteen, so not really sure
2: <laughs> how that one worked. Oh, but our no guy way that- did have his
1: <laughs> diploma with him or the at least the casing that they gave it to. So I didn't he there- did have evidence that he made it.
2: There's no way that kid smelled good.
1: I he didn't look great. I, 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 I his parents are out there listening, and you somehow know who this is. I apologize, but random dude who announced that he was woke up 15 minutes before they had to be there uh, did not look like he was in his tip shop shape. But hey, the man got his degree, and we can't shame him for that. But uh, they spread out the graduations too. Um, apparently some of them started on Wednesday. Uh, MC's sister actually knew someone. Can you imagine this? She graduated and did the ceremony Wednesday, but had a fi- Friday final.
2: Oh, my God. I, what are the – <laughs> no, I'm not going to take my final. Yeah, why would There's you go video. to that? <laughs> I mean, you have to. But, yeah, like that,
1: that would make me mad, actually. Do you? I mean, I get that you don't have the diploma when they do the ceremony, but if you have video evidence that you walked, like – I mean, I get it. I know. My motivation level would be at an all-time low.
2: Well, I can tell you this. I know of a human being that walked in the graduation in front of me um and did not graduate because he did not have a C in a journalism class. Had to go back over the summer and retake said class so he could get his diploma.
1: Yikes. So, is that a situation they probably let him walk and then he just did it, did it?
2: Like that? Yeah, somewhere? so like Yeah, like you, you don't have your final grades in at graduation. Right. Um so you don't know if you pass or not. There may be classes you have to go and take. That's why they don't actually give you a diploma at graduation. So yeah, you uh you still may have coursework you have to get finished. They they just I think you have to be like fifteen hours away when the semester starts. We're not totally sure how that works, maybe 18.
1: I I get it's generally a, a positive celebration, but it would be kind of funny as they're announcing these kids out, you know, they announce like Sigma cum laude and all that, whatever honors society or like whatever level status their grades were, if they reach some sort of honors threshold, I would love to have one where like, it's just like so-and-so from, I don't know, two, like Walker Rippy, Jackson, Mississippi, pending the uh, result of his accounting 401 final or something like that. I would like to know who the dudes on the borderline are. I'd like to see how their mindset and their body language is different than the ones who uh, have it wrapped up at that point.
2: So, we're sitting there, like, at our graduation. It's like a bunch of people, and you worked in this at the DM, but it's like Logan and, and, uh, yeah. and you know, a bunch of people. And they, now it's mine. And they were like, uh, Colin Brewster Sigma come on. They were like, no way that's right. They were like, that, that, that is not right. I have seen you. You are not in the – I'm like, shut up. You're the dumbest smart person I've ever met.
1: Wow, they were I doubting thought. your credentials. I would have just given them double birds <laughs> as
2: I walked across stage. <laughs> Called me the dumbest smart kid that ever met. I'm like, wow, that that that'll make you feel good. Oh, it is a compliment. I mean, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay. So I've been on the road with both of you, hush.
1: Successful graduation weekend, though. Good weekend. Uh congrats to my brother. The, the counting one's always weird because most 90% of them come back for that fifth year graduate thing. So it's like all right, he graduate undergrad, not really go anywhere and he'll go through another one of these next year. Like that's just kind of a weird piece of the accounting piece. Wait, wait, really? Yeah, yeah, so accounting's a 5-year track. And so after 4, obviously if you if you graduate, you like graduate undergrad, but that fifth year that those accounting majors take is a graduate level uh, degree. Some kind I don't know exactly how it works. The accounting nerds out there are probably mad at me for butchering it, but it's a separate one-year thing and then you graduate again the next year from
2: the graduate portion. Oh, okay. Well, good for them. Um, I would have been really out of place in an accounting graduation because it's been like, wow, all these human beings are way smarter than me.
1: Yeah, a lot of numbers kids in there. I wasn't a math guy. I kept to myself that I didn't scream nerd at anybody or anything like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that was a uh, – I guess last graduation story note before we get off of this wild rabbit hole we just went down. We uh, met some friends of ours at D- – a place called Bar Muse. Have you ever heard of this? Do you know where it is? I uh, can't say that I do. I didn't know it existed until today or last night either. Well, sort of. Part of it was Sunday morning. Um, But uh, either, it is a little tiny like speakeasy type bar connected to the left of the lyric. Oh, okay. Sure. So it's very cool. I enjoyed it in there. This is not a free ad for Bar Muse. I, I enjoyed it in there. I just didn't know it existed. And it's very small. There's only like a couple of tables and then Wait. like a- like Is a tiny secret little grilled ch- grilled cheese place. Same. No, not secret grilled cheese. And I was about to say same side, but it's actually not the same side. It's just that alleyway to the left between there and um, whatever's on the other side of the street. So no, okay. not uh same type of thing, but not same, same area. Um Okay. But we were hmm. sitting in there. There's only like two tables in there total. There were two or three people at the table behind us. And, you know, they look like they'd been there a while, look like they're having a nice time. Well, all of a sudden, I turn around and just old oh, buddies on his knee. And he just got real hyped up and decided to propose. Oh, there we go. In the middle of this, you know, five person bar or five table bar. And he was just like, sweet. She said yes. And then kind of how oh, they kept it moving. That was it. That's that. See, that's that's economical. I like that. I like that. That's efficiency. That's yes, what we yeah. want. Shout out to that guy, like, uh, and 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 lady. I doubt they're listening to this podcast, but uh, on the very off chance they are, congrats to them. Uh, we it was so close you could hear everything everyone was saying. About twenty minutes after, they were still just sitting there going about their business, and I heard the, <laughs> the woman who got engaged just say, "I'm having a great time." I was like, "Well, I would hope."
2: You're not. You got. You might have a <laughs> lifetime of issues. Do we <laughs> still do secret grilled cheese? Is, is that still a thing? I haven't been there in a long time,
1: but uh, the I I do enjoy I, like it was never really my thing. I prefer to go stand in line at Chicken on a Stick amongst that yeah, circus yeah. and that crowd, which is uh, I say that very endearingly. I actually enjoy enjoy the scene there late at night. <laughs> and I'm a big um, Chicken on a
2: Stick guy, but I will say Secret Grilled Cheeses grilled cheese are very good. I was on the square this weekend, and like they were like I don't even get ID anymore. Um, and then I realized like, I can't keep doing, it. I turn, like when we do this podcast next week, I'm going to be 30 and it's going to make me feel miserable. Like just pre hung over just the idea that you're 30. No, I will be 30 in a week. I'm like, I can't hang out out here anymore. This is, this, this, this is bad. Um, so can't, can no longer go to the library on Thursday or Friday nights. If I was wanted to partake in that,
1: man, I don't then really I'm just really
2: creep happy. at that point.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't have the crowd. I don't have the late night in me either. No, no. uh, So I went to, we were at the bar, Muse. We were meeting one of MC's friends for her birthday later after that. And we had been at uh, her sister's graduation party. But- we weren't like obviously a lot of families around, went like we were just getting after it drink for drink there. But we went there and ended up being a little bit later at night than I would have probably guessed we would have stayed out. And I woke up feeling like, man, I didn't get my sleep this last night. And I was well, like, but, that might be the oldest thought I've ever had, but I was like mad we stayed out the extra hour. Not mad that we actually did it, but I was like, damn, I wish it wasn't 1230 when we got home last
2: night. So that's so what I was in I was in my buddy's apartment the Friday night before Ole Miss played Alabama, and it's like, man. We used to pay hundred like a hundred bucks to get into the library before tonight. I'm like, I don't think you could pay me a hundred bucks to go to the library tonight. There's no way I would go be paid a hundred bucks if I had to go sit in the library on a Friday night before Ole Miss played Alabama. That that just seems miserable now. That's how I know I'm old.
1: It's crazy how that swings. Like you hit a very distinct point, and a lot of times it's when you're in the library, you all of a sudden one time <laughs> you'll just look around and just be like, you know what, this I'm is out. not it this is not for me anymore. And then that point, you know, and I know people out there know what I'm talking about. I I think it was like last summer, maybe at one point, maybe it was one of the regional weekend. I just looked around, or excuse me, two years ago, the regional weekend. I was like, nope, this is it. And then I became (laughs) old, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think that's the distinction of when you're old, when you no longer want to go to a crowded bar. Yes, that that means
1: you're well on your way. You're on the you're 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 pre old. I'll call it that. Like people are pretty mad. You're you're on the fast track to getting there. So, um, but yeah, crowded weekend at Oxford, but a good one overall. I don't even know how we got on that segue, but um, whatever.
2: It's better than talking old Miss baseball.
1: Yeah, I was about to say my my. I mentioned that just to point out. I got no segue here. I'm just going to pivot back to uh, old Miss baseball for a second. Are you ready with uh? I thought about calling this misery index, but I think that's been taken somewhere else, and I like the sarcastic nature of fun with numbers. Are you ready for this week's edition of Fun with Numbers with Ole Miss (laughs) Baseball? Absolutely. Hell yeah. Let's get weird. Okay. Um, Ole Miss, where's the first one I had? Ole Miss pitching staff allowed the most hits in the SEC going into the last week, and they've given up 13 more than Mississippi State. Now, granted, they have not given up as many runs as Mississippi State, but they gave up the most hits in the Southeastern Conference in conference play. These are all conference play stats only, by the way. Uh, Guess what opponents through nine weekends, 27 games, have hit against Ole Miss in conference play? Uh,
2: 330.
1: Wow. Actually, you uh oversold it. It's it, it has not been that bad. It's a, it's just a mere 301. Oh my god. Now that is not so worst. Mississippi State's opposing batting average uh uh is three oh six.
2: Yeah, but they won a series in Baton Rouge and almost had to hurt themselves to win a series. And I don't I don't no pun intended, but like they had to be in a dogfight to win a series versus a very not good Georgia team, who probably not making the tournament I know we'll get there in a minute, but um. Yeah. Talk no. Lost Miss, to them over the weekend on Saturday. Yeah. That's Wednesday. that. Can't, that can't happen. Um. They got. I think they got came from behind again today. Um. But yeah. No. Ole Miss very bad on the mound. Very 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 bad. Um. So I don't know. It's uh. It's it's not good.
1: Drew the guess what their ERA is in SEC play. Uh. Six point five. Seven sixty four. Oh my God. Reject like to guess what Mississippi. Yeah, would you like to guess what Mississippi State says? Eight, 963? Oh my God, dude, that dude, seems. Are... I get walks are a much bigger issue with their staff, and that's why you kind of see them behind Ole Miss in some of these categories. That's hard to do, man. Nine sixty three. Oh
2: my God.
1: But hey, they just won a series in in Baton Rouge. Ole Miss can't say
2: that. Um. Man, that's – uh wow. Uh, there are arms in Mississippi. I'll just put it out there. The I'll say this. I'll say this. The team down in Hattiesburg does not seem to have an issue getting arms. They do not, to the point they, where uh, clubs like Florida
1: are picking off their arms year after year, and they're still competent pitching.
2: Yeah, they, they don't seem to have an issue getting arms. Um, maybe make a call down there and see how they do it.
0: Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language.
1: Ole Miss allowed the – I keep saying this is this these, the end for all intents and purposes because they're eliminated from Hoover. As I told you, this feels like the end. We may do a pod next week, but this is the end. This is the flatline podcast if you want to call it that. So I'm just going over these stats as if the year's over. Ole Miss is allowed the most home runs in SEC play.
2: Can you guess how many in 27 uh, conference games? 27, I'm going to go 55. 66. Oh, my God. That's more – that's like two and a half a
1: game. Not great. That is about two and a half a game. Um, yeah, that is basically two and a half a game. That's uh, that's not what you want. You'd like to see that number go down. That's why people subscribe to this podcast because uh, – <laughs> Good stuff like that. Like, give yeah. up Wes Homers. Okay, here's – I got a couple of weird ones to throw at you that are not as painstaking.
2: They, had the thir- they okay. have the third strikeouts, 256. All oh, this has always struck people out. That's, yep. that's never been an issue. Um, you know what? I have a take. I haven't taken. A- I, I I don't have a theory to prove it, um, but I'm, I'm going to spit it out there because you know what? It's almost Miss is six and twenty-one, and I can. Um Ole Miss is, and it's worked for a long time. Uh, has relied on guys that throw heavy and uh, high-velocity four-seam fastballs, um, and usually they are able to create a lot of outs with velo but because everybody throws hard nowadays, just getting people out with velo is not, um, going to be good enough. And I think that this year, um, and I'm not saying it's a, it's an issue in totality and it's going to be an issue forever, but I think this year, um, when they weren't able to get outs with velocity, um, they didn't have anything else to fall back off of. And almost has been, uh, another, a problem I actually do have is that they recruit a lot of the same kids on the mound, um, so when, you know, something doesn't work, well, the guy that you're going to go bring out of the bullpen, he's going to pitch the same way. So you don't have a lot of, uh, you know, variety. Um, Ole this is always going to strike people out because of the, the type of philosophy they recruit to. And it's it's philosophy that's worked a lot more than it hasn't. Um, so uh, that, that actually isn't that shocking to me that they're able to strike people out because of how they recruit and the type of pitcher that they recruit.
1: So to follow up on that, that's an interesting point. Do you think that way they recruit pitchers and the types of pitchers they recruit? I know you just mentioned that it is proven and they've always been on strike people out, but because of the overall results, is that something that you see changing this off season or in the coming off
2: seasons? I know a lot of their high school kids are inked up already. I think that ha- I think it has to. Um Yeah, I think I think you've got to get some. And I'm not saying this, you know. I'm not. Never mind. I'm not even going to say that name. I got another one. You, I think you got to get some Will Etheridge's right. Like if you remember a Will Etheridge, it's ninety ninety two, um, you know, not high velo, but a really good slider and and a really good fastball that had really good run on it, um, you know, th- those type of guys. I think they've look. Obviously, you want some high velo guys, but I don't. I don't think um, you need to rely and make your whole staff dependent on being high velo right-handers with good sliders. Um, I think there's got to be some variety, and I think they know that, and I think they will. I don't. I don't think. Um, Ole Miss will have one left handed option out of the bullpen next year. I think they'll make you know an effort, um, to have more than that when when 2024 rolls around. But I do think they have to change up a little bit in what they do as far as recruiting pitchers this year.
1: You mentioned the the high velo piece of it, and I don't like I see what you're saying, but I think there probably are some people out there wondering. Well, Ole Miss never gets the guy that throws 97. Yeah. Top-end yeah. guy like that. And I get there aren't very many of them, but is that part of what you're talking about, about how everybody throws hard now? As many high v in the you know low to mid-90s guys they have, they don't really have the – I mean, this sounds stupid to say because he's kind of a freak, but like the Ben Joyce or sure. the Landon Sims or – Well, they
2: don't even – they don't even consistently have the Brandon Johnson.
1: Exactly. Uh, exactly. That's exactly what I'm getting at. That's a great way to
2: put yeah. Yeah, it. Yeah. You're right. They, they don't, but they do usually have guys that consistently are 90, 90 to 92 and can run up a 93. I mean, you think about, uh, you know, Jack Doherty can sit 93, 94, right? Um, you know, so so guys like that, and, and for whatever reason this year, I, I do think that the more we get into this um, this high velo era, that that guys are going to be able to time up fastballs. I mean, we see it more and more every day. The the game is extremely offensive. So I do think there has to be an element of if you've got to be able to adapt and and and, and get the guy that can throw a two seam fastball in on a guy's fist and and a, and a guy that can throw a right on right changeup, um, you know. And obviously there isn't there is a place for for the type of guys that they've always recruited. and I think there'll be a large place for them within that program. But I do think that this year especially when they go out and recruit um, out of the transfer portal, they're going to have to get guys that maybe are a li- little bit different. Um, than the guys they've always recruited. And, again, that that has always led to success. And might be because a well of a pitching coach. Uh, but I just think that they're going to have to go out and get some guys that can, can pitch from different arm angles, different arm slots, and and create outs. Um, and maybe not just be the prototypical high, you know, decent velo right-hander with a good slider that they always bring in.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, what? But my question, like, my question was, why? Why has that been the case? Is it
2: just, like, in your opinion,
1: is it just there? There not that many of those guys out there. Why have they not consistently had the brand, even the Brandon Johnson? Um, the
0: years? Yeah,
2: that's a good question. I I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I I and, and I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I. I'm trying enough, to see like, what it, I don't have I don't an. Have I, don't I don't really
1: have a theory either. Like that's why I asked. It's, ask, it's you probably kind of the same
2: head. reason, honestly it's probably the same reason they don't ever have a center fielder um, because those guys are probably expensive from a scholarship standpoint.
1: Fair. I think that's probably ultimately what it boils down to as well. Um, I had a couple more fun with numbers, but let's – I mean, this is not – this is really – I don't know how much fun anyone's having with this. How about this? They hit the most doubles. There we go. There we go. All right, go right. They refs. should put that next to the national title, title logo they have or banner they have most, in the world. Most 2023. Doubles. Most doubles. Oh, God. Um, they, uh, they, uh, what do you make of this? They have entering the last weekend the six most hits in conference play. They're only three hits away from being ranked fourth. Excuse me, two hits away from being ranked fourth, but they scored the second fewest runs and they have the second fewest runs batted in naturally What? how does that work is that just bad situational hitting is that the intangible piece of it with this team that we talked about when they were struggling
2: before it became over with some of it some of it's bad luck um that 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 those numbers don't correlate and and i'm not one that believes in things such as and and people disagree with me and that's fine but i'm not necessarily a guy that believes that that people perform differently um uh, when there's guys on base versus when there's not i just some of it's bad luck um and then some of it's pressing um you know it's easy to press when you're when your pitching staff is as is, is bad as this one is um look the offense i don't think by any stretch of the imagination has been good but the offense has certainly been the uh the least of the worries when you when you talk about the two sides of the baseball
1: yeah absolutely and um, what would I had one more I thought that didn't make any sense? Third fewest home runs. That may be the one that surprised me because even when they sucked offensively last year, they hit the long ball. It kind of made for like yeah. a smoke and mirrors thing where it's like, all right, this actually is not what it's cracked up to be. But uh, they did not hit very many home
2: runs this year. And,
1: honestly, most of them came from
2: two, three dudes. Yeah, I was supposed to say that's crazy to say when one guy's got 20 and another one hit four in a game. Um, <laughs> so. So, that actually – let me make sure I
1: have this right now that you point that out. Who's got – so, Alderman has – yeah, 20 total. Now, granted, this was SEC play, but of the – of their home runs in SEC play, of the 35, Alderman, Gonzalez, and Harris made for 21 of
2: them. Oof. Yeah, so 60%. Yeah. Um. Wow. That was like that was crazy. what made OS's lineup so good last year when they were good was, man, it was one through nine. And I don't think you can say honestly with this point at any point in SEC play, was this lineup good one through nine? I don't think they ever got there. I don't think they did either. I,
1: I certainly don't remember the game. Now, granted, you yeah. did you did I don't know if Sunday at Missouri scoring 21 sure. run, 20 runs count, but, uh, but I get what you mean. There's no actual stretch where it felt like it was
2: clicking one through nine aside from inning yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. or two yeah. one off. Yeah, I'm not not necessarily one game, but over the weekend you never felt like, oh, this lineup's competitive one through nine. No, it's it's not. It was competitive maybe one through six, maybe you know, when Shotney got hot one through seven. Um, but but there were there were holes in that lineup to be certain,
1: and that's what that, like the difference between that and last year. Like you said, when they were good, it was one through nine, and when they were bad last year, remember it felt like one through five. And then once you got to six or seven, it was like, all right, this is these are going to be three, four empty at bats in a row. Where this team, even when it when it was going, I don't know if you're grading on a, a, a curve here, like average, you still had holes throughout like it was still one through six. It never really even got close to it. And that's probably partially why they're in the position they're in. The last thing I really wanted to get to on this is the NIL piece of it. Yeah. And we mentioned at the top of it when we, uh, when we were talking about kind of the, with the roster overall, that's coming in the very fascinating offseason. Chase Parham wrote a column. It's up on rebelgrove.com. You can read it. It is free to read, which is why I'm about to drop the next note that I have. Uh, Cause I don't want to give anything out that would be behind a paywall. Chase put, uh, had a note in his column, I'd encourage you to go read it, but said, according to sources, Ole Miss will have a competitive NIL war chest with which to approach this offseason. Now, as we've talked about it, pretty much any time we mention NIL over the last year, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, podcasting, there's always the caveat of, what does that actually mean? No, Very few people actually know. But it does make it sound like that they will have some resources to build a competitive roster in the offseason which kind of puts the ball in mike bianco's court and what i'm curious is is does he adapt and if so how well that's kind of my overwhelming yes. question entering this offseason does he adapt and how he approaches you know recruiting guys how he approaches re- recruiting portal kids much different than recruiting high school kids i imagine particularly in baseball because you get on them so young in baseball at a high school does he adapt? And how well
2: yeah, no, that's that's the question is, is how do they maximize the transfer portal um, because they're going to have to. Because, quite frankly, if, let's see, I would say at least five of their – we'll, we'll go four. Uh, maybe they're able to start a freshman. If four of their starters aren't transfer portal guys next year, they're not going to be very good. If they don't get a really, really good arm – and, you know, John Gaddis and Xavier Rivas have, have certainly served roles and done done good job – uh, but I don't think anybody would st- mistake either of those guys as as frontline Friday night dudes in the SEC. They got to go get one of those. Um, they got to go get one of those out of the transfer portal. I don't know how much it's going to cost, but I know they need to get one. Um, that no, only yeah, you
1: got to go get a get a pretty good Robin to the Batman.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got to maximize this, or. I don't think look they're not going to be whatever they do they won't be six and twenty one after twenty seven next year but you, I think you look this this program needs to host a regional next year in my opinion um, I don't I don't I don't think you need to go what three years in a row without hosting a regional in Oxford I don't think that's what you need to do obviously you know nobody cares about twenty two because you wind up winning that from championship but that, that stadium was built to host regionals and to host super regionals have you can you believe it's been it'll be next year. Fifteen years since they hosted a super regional game. By the way, that is very difficult to believe. God, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, no, they uh, they've got look, they got to go get dudes. That's it's that simple. And I will tell you, um, if it's any and you know, I'll, obviously all of this is relative. Um, the guy over there at the pavilion seems to be getting dudes, so they got money somewhere.
1: You're right. He's not having having much issue. Um... You know, and some you know, there's an element of this, and I'll be careful in how I phrase this. There's an element of uh, fundraising that kind of goes into this. Chris Beard, sure, like you said, he's already getting dudes. Seemingly, those guys are probably not coming to school here for free. I wouldn't say the basketball nil was in a healthy place when uh, they made the coaching change. There's a piece of this that's kind of, you know say rally the troops but just kind of like let's generate some interest and by interest I mean financial <laughs> I mean money in that sense and look at you have to, I don't know exactly what goes into doing that but like Chris beard just just wasn't a handed a pot of money upon entering uh the practice facility the first time like they gave Miss Keek it's like oh by the way here's your here's your funds um that <laughs> didn't happen like that and so there's an element of that that beard seems good at that I'm kind of curious to see um you know if other coaches on this campus are as good at it too. Yeah. Not extorting the athletic department over a three week period in November, I should say. What did that happen or something? Hmm, I don't know. I think it was all made up by some t- local TV reporter. <laughs>
2: oh my God. WCBI. Yeah. Oh, God, fun times. Um, yeah, no, it's that's going to be interesting to see what they are able to do. Um Look, Ole Miss wants to win at baseball. Ole Miss is going to win at baseball. Ole Miss can win at baseball. They're, they're, they'll do the things I think as a fan base that are necessary to um, help win baseball games. And and the uh, look they and and I don't think it's I don't think it's a secret to anybody in that building that they've got to get better. Um, they got to get better players. Um, you know, it's it's Mike said it after game. I've never been here before, so I don't figure he wants. Which to Which is here absolutely now. true. Yeah. No, he's – look, he's going to go play – I almost said this yesterday. He's going to, for the first time on Thursday night in Tuscaloosa, play in a baseball game – or he won't play. Well, hell, he might. May may help. Um, But he's going to coach in a baseball game on Thursday night in Tuscaloosa for the first time in 23 years in an Ole Miss uniform that means absolutely nothing. Literally, you think about it. Every other game that he's ever coached in – And an Ole Miss uniform meant something. The years that he didn't make the postseason, he was right there. In 2002, if they win the last game of the year, they get into the SEC tournament, likely make the tournament. 2011, if they win on the last day in Fayetteville, their last game, they make the SEC tournament, likely make the tournament. In 2017, if they beat Auburn that day in the SEC tournament, they likely make the tournament. Every single game he has ever coached meant something as far as the postseason. The game he coached this Thursday night will mean absolutely nothing. Um so I say that to say he he's not going to enjoy being in this place. And I figure that they know they have to get more talented.
1: It is crazy when you kind of put it in that context. And he's been here what 23 years and this really will be the first meaningless game He's ever coached in, which is just a wild, wild place to be again. I never it's, thought it would be this bad.
2: It's good and bad, right? Like that, that speaks to the consistency. And it also speaks to how, how terrible they are this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, litigating, like what this year, it, like how palatable and acceptable it is, is in some ways meaningless. Like it's now like, okay, this happened, you know, this is uncharted waters. What do you do to ensure that it remains uncharted waters?
2: You know I, what I'm
0: kind of stri-
2: like where this is at. You know what I'm kind of shocked I never saw this year was, was people talking about how they're just resting on their laurels from you know winning the national title. It's like, no, if you watch this team, they're not resting on their laurels, they're just not very good.
1: I was about to say, not enough dudes from the national title team that had any sort of major say like play like say on this team. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, like God- there are enough guys, that the roster is different enough. You see the results, like <laughs> yeah. they definitely weren't resting on their laurels. Uh from that national title season. And to be fair, you mentioned something earlier. when We were talking about the fun with numbers stat, that that was not actually a fun segment at all. You mentioned luck. It is worth pointing out that on top of this season being as bad as it was and them simply not being good enough, they had some real rough luck in multi, sure. multitude of ways. And it just felt like that coupled with the fact they figured out they just weren't good enough. Really, just made for a miserable year. I mean, this has been a long, long year for me. It has. even just at like our standpoint, a content standpoint. This has been brutally boring. I just, I would put it that way. I've not, <laughs> I've not been interested the last couple weekends.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I went multiple weekends and, and some of it was because I was coaching and some of it was because, you know, I was in a wedding and, and other things, but I went multiple weekends this year where, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't watch pitch because I just knew they weren't good enough to win. So, I mean, we, we can pretend that they're going to beat LSU in a game, but they're probably not, you know what I mean? Um, There are people that
1: I know that I talk Ole Miss baseball with regularly that the checkout from, like, I would say LSU weekend in April on was really remarkable. Like, people that usually keep up with every game, you know, I would say to some degree, like, every pitch were just, like, yeah. I don't know. Didn't watch a ton of that one. It's like The the collective checkout was something to behold. It was very foreign. You haven't really ever had that as we just discussed, but it was well, weird
2: to experience. Nobody, nobody did it last year. Um, you know what I mean? So and that team was bad through 21 games. Um, I think people were just able to, and, and credit to them being smart, like look at this team and go, okay, this is not that they're not trying. Um, this is not, that, you know, they're poorly coached. This is, uh, this team's not good enough. It's like you know when you watch the two thousand. Here's an example: when you watch the two thousand and nineteen Ole Miss football rebels that went four and eight, did anybody watch them and like, oh these guys these guys quit? No, no, no. no. You watch them and you're like, oh they're not very good because they don't have many good players. Um, You know that's kind of what I feel like this team is. You just you know you you watch this team and you're like, oh they're they're not extremely talented. It is what it is.
1: Yep. So. I don't know. I, oh, I did have a couple questions for you You mentioned going Saturday. You mentioned, I think I asked you this before you started recording. So
2: I just fired up the question again. What was the crowd like? Um, it was weird. There there was plenty of people there. Uh, there, there, were, there were, there were plenty of people there, uh, but it, it just felt dead. And I mean, obviously there's reason that it felt dead. Um, one, because the team is not very good. Two, um, because they were dead very quickly. Um, from a baseball standpoint, it just, it was weird. It was weird. And and frankly, you know, I went, I went with my dad. Um, it was, well, I went with my dad and, and some of his friends. But anyways, uh, I just kind of was, And I don't mean this, this is weird to say, I was kind of miserable sitting there watching this. It's like, even if they win, it doesn't matter. Like you know, I've sat in those. I've sat in those seats for really big games. Like I've sat in those seats and watched those. Watched them win regional championships in two thousand nineteen and two thousand twenty one. Um, I sat in those seats and watched them win the West, like in 09 in or whatever. Um, and to sit there and and watch the program that 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 I've invested a lot of time in just play a baseball game that that's so mundane and and without you know any stakes was kind of and miserable is probably not the right word, but it was here's the right word. It was kind of boring. Like what's the point? You know what I mean? You know, because you followed and watched this program for so long and they've played for, you know, in, in big games and big situations that you're, you're playing a game that really, really for being honest, didn't account for anything. And it, it was, it was kind of boring to sit there and watch.
1: There's a collective sense of that too. in the stadium is in there. It's hard to describe, but I went to the Saturday LSU game, perfect weather day, um, It could not have been better. I mean, it was like 70 degrees sunny. And there were a lot of people at Swayze Field. There were a lot of people in the stadium. But, yeah, again, this sounds kind of like off the wall and zany a bit. But the vibe was just off. There were a lot of people that did not seem very invested in the game. And Ole Miss got down early and never really put up much of a fight after that. LSU was in control of that game from start to finish. And so that probably let – just the sheer way the game went probably led into it to some degree – but it was just very weird. There were a lot of people that seemed apathetic about what went on on the field.
2: Yeah, that's apathetic is a very good word. I, mean, I don't know. The fan base as is, is, is a whole doesn't, you know, have apathy. But I will say it's a lot easier to get apathetic about baseball um, in, in a one season standpoint than it is the other sports because there's just so many freaking games. Yes, like, and know. that's not
1: an indictment on anyone. Like, no. I mean,
2: obviously the games were meaningless. That's why it happened, but you're exactly right. Like, that's why that was the case. Yeah, like, you know, the the four and eight, you know, or four and seven Ole Miss football rebels, if they're playing in the Egg Bowl, they're probably still going to get a pretty decent crowd, right? Um, you know, the 30 and – well, I don't even know what Ole Miss is. Let's go 25 and 28. That sounds right. Probably not exactly right. Um, but, you know, the, those guys aren't going to get the tights crowd because – Man, like there's three games and you know, it's it it's there's just so many more games um in the season that causes more apathy. Now the the program and the fan base is not or the fan base I should say is not apathetic. I don't I don't think that um in any stretch of the imagination. They uh and look, it, the the Swayze Phil will be rocking. I can guarantee you come February the whatever thirteenth when when whoever rolls into town. Uh, so you know, it just it's just look. And, and here's the thing, too. A lot of programs have these years, right? Um, Arkansas had one in 2016. Mississippi State's had two in a row. Um, LSU's had these years. It's been a little while for them, but they've had these years before. Um, you know, it, it happens. It's just how you go about rebuilding the the year because you can't let this happen again. That That's the key. This, this isn't a big deal. From a totality standpoint, this year is not a big deal, but it cannot happen again.
1: If it happens two years in a row, the conversation starts shifting to places where you never thought they would. And I'm not necessarily like trying to be vague or, or ominous by that. But the, the Lamona's thing, did you ever think two years after you won a national title? Yeah, those like, situations are not similar at all. But even so, like, of course, Lamonis, look, if if they're not good to get next year, I'm not suggesting that the conversation will really heat up about Mike being fired. My point is, is just when it happens two years in a row, you start like looking at things about the program drastically differently. You can justify one year. You can't justify two because I just never would have thought you were talking about Lamona's in this
2: light, uh, two years removed from a national title. Oh, I didn't either. I certainly did not. Um, No, it's, yeah, that it's yeah, a fair point and, and I think the question would become if, if this happens and, and for the record I don't believe that it will but if this happens again at old Miss, it's like well can this program be as good as you know its fan base wants it to be in this ever changing landscape of college athletics I believe that becomes the question if this happens again um again I don't foresee that happening but you know I didn't foresee this year happening either Last
1: thing on the the Ole Miss baseball front, <laughs> they uh, you had the rare mutually agreed to cancel the game, <laughs> absent of COVID or some other very weird extenuating circumstance. With Austin P on Tuesday, they canceled the midweek games so of the three games in Tuscaloosa will be Ole Miss's last three games of the season. Is that if I just missed this because Ole Miss is mi- mainly played meaningful games? Is this common at all? Like that that was weird to oh. me. Like, now nah, we're good. We won't we won't be doing this one.
2: Um. <sighs> I don't know if it's common or not. Like you said, Ole Miss has always been playing meaningful baseball this time of year. Um, but I get it. Like, if Austin P. and I don't – look, I don't know anything about the uh, Austin P. governors. Um, besides, their coach was fired because he got caught up in a prostitution ring in 2016. Don't ask I'll know that. Um, but, yeah, don't ask how i know that. Anyways, if – Austin P is going to, you know, win the whatever tournament they're in. I think they're in the Ohio Valley. Um, they probably need to be as fresh as possible. They probably maybe even need to win games this weekend. So, Austin P is probably like, hey, why aren't we playing this game? And then, you know, maybe they ask Ole Miss, hey, why are we playing this game? And Ole Miss is like, I don't know. Why are we playing this game? Um, so, it just takes kind of a logistical uh, thing away from everybody on campus because there's really no purpose in playing the baseball games. It's just not. So, um, no, it's, I, I don't, I don't see the need to play the game. You know, you've already had senior day and all that, all that stuff. So, um, I, 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 totally get it from both sides.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's just kind of one of those weird things This is another sign of like the weird place the program is in because of this season. But anyway, let's take a look around the Southeastern conference before we get out of here, I guess we'll start in, uh, Baton Rouge, uh, kind of, you led off the show with this take, but Mississippi state, Uh, series is even going into this uh finale. Mississippi State, I believe, gets down 13 to four, comes all the way back to win the game, and takes a series in Baton Rouge. Probably the craziest result of the weekend,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I did not see that one coming, especially after you know, Steen's dominated them on Friday. Um, Bulldogs still playing hard, LSU not very good, not very good. You uh. Look, Ty Floyd is fine for them in game two. But, man, if, if Ty Floyd and Paul Skeens aren't pitching, the uh, the Tigers are terrible on the mound. At some point, you think that bites them.
1: Yeah, I would think so, too, at some point in the postseason. You can get by with two pitchers and a couple bullpen arms. But if you don't have that, as I say, two starters and a couple bullpen arms, if you don't have those two starters, um, boy, it uh, it makes it tough to get through a regional and a super regional. Maybe the most significant results of the weekend: uh, Vanderbilt no longer in the driver's seat to win the SEC West. They get swept by Florida over the weekend, and Florida is now sitting in the driver's seat at eighteen and nine, with Vanderbilt at seventeen and ten. I didn't can't tell you mm. I saw that coming. Florida's really good.
2: Yeah, there. If I had to pick a team today to win the national title, it's them. Hope I'm wrong. I have no no use for Kevin O'Sullivan winning a national title again, but um, if I had to pick one, it's them. Right now they're uh they're special
1: they are uh they are playing good baseball and uh, a fun team to watch as well uh Kentucky loses two or three to Tennessee uh Tennessee continues mm-hmm. to play pretty damn good baseball, but kentucky still sitting in an okay spot fifteen and twelve in the league going in the last weekend they're still fun
2: yeah no it's uh look Kentucky probably knew that hey winning you know winning this series at at home is going to be tough for sure, or excuse me, on the road would be rather tough, but you know, to, to go in and, and get a game um, certainly uh, you'll, you'll certainly take that. If, if you're the, uh, the Wildcats puts you in a situation where if you can win two against Florida next weekend, you're certainly in the driver's feet um, as far as being a national seed for sure.
1: Did someone let the other tigers get hot? Well, maybe Missouri listened to this podcast and was like jokes on these guys. They sweep Georgia this weekend in Colombia, they win a kind of a crazy game on Saturday, fourteen to twelve. Then win another one run game on Sunday. Uh, did someone let the Tigers get hot? They're now nine. What are they nine? I think they've had a game canceled, so they are nine and seventeen.
2: Yeah, they played no, one game. No, 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 no. They're ten and seventeen. That is. Oh, they, that
1: is not updated yet. That say I see Georgia's ten and sixteen. Yeah, that's correct. Wow. Georgia goes in the weekend, ten and fourteen, having a chance to play a pretty bad Mizzou team and get swept. That's a bold strategy, Cotton.
2: Yeah, not not great for the uh, for uh, for Georgia. That's um, that's that's not going to go well for the uh, for the old hosting chances, or excuse me, the at large chances.
1: Does that get the seat warm for Scott Strickland? I know nothing about that situation, but
2: make yeah um yeah no you would you would certainly think uh certainly think that it could um
1: why like, are they but, ever bad uh, at
2: baseball i don't know they shouldn't care they shouldn't be yeah um uh, just just a note just to put this out there tennessee at home in the sec play uh-huh. 12 and 3 12 and 3 um on the road 2 and 10 that's crazy it's wild that is wild <laughs> um
1: Wow. wow, two and ten—not great. No, no, it's probably because of how unfairly
2: they get treated by all their opponents when they go on the that's road. That's a good point. They probably make fun of them, um, and and uh, they don't, you know, don't play well on the road. Should they ever have to play road games, we should probably give that's, them that's wow. You know? This that's a really good point. Should the Vols be, you know, like you know, all-time quarterback? Should they be all-time home team?
1: It just seems kind of disrespectful that they make them play as many on the road as they deaf to at home. I wonder if that's ever crossed Tony Vitella's mind. <laughs> South Carolina loses two and three against Arkansas. I don't know. tough to win against Arkansas. I believe that series was in Fayetteville as well. 15 and 11 for South Carolina. Um, they're still, I don't know. They'll probably make the tournament. Do they host? Remember, they had that oh, game
2: LSU. Yeah, they'll probably, they-, they should still host. They've lost three series in a row. So um, not, not great there. But um, yeah, they, they should still host for sure. Well, that's going to
1: do it. That's our look around the SEC. This has been another podcast. We probably need to do one next week just to say we made it through the 2023 season. Maybe later throw that on a resume. But uh, he is Colin Brister. I appreciate the time. As always, my man, we'll check in with you again at some point. Sounds good, my man. All right, that was Colin Brister. Appreciate his time. As always, we might talk to him next week. That felt like the end of the season wrap-up podcast, given that any sort of postseason play being mathematically eliminated this weekend. But we'll kind of see how it goes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. As always, got some different stuff down the pipe for you this week that I think you'll enjoy. So looking forward to it. You'll have a great start to your week.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?